Good day, eh? Good day, and welcome to another Forge Side Chat, a podcast about blacksmithing, bladesmithing, and everything in between, with a heavy focus on talent in the Great White North. Talking about Canada, but today we're heading south once again. I got a gentleman on the other end of the, well, line here, microphone, internet. Sit down with me today. We're looking face to face with each other. You guys don't get to see it. You just get to hear pretty voices. This is, is it Roddy Turner, sir? Is that, did I get that right? Rowdy. It is, it's, rowdy like the rest It's Rowdy, eh? Awesome. I wasn't too sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty awesome, dude. What? Uh, yeah, that's, that's my legal name. Not a, not a nickname. That's, that's all my birth certificate. What, what was the story behind that? Did your parents ever tell you where they got the so name? So actually, um, I'm the second. My dad's name is Rowdy. My uh, grandma, she was a big fan of Clint Eastwood. Um, obviously, she thought he was the hottest thing alive when he was a young man in his movie stars, whatever. Um, but he played a character in a TV show called Rawhide, and that character's name was Rowdy Yates. So she heard that name and fell in love with it and named my dad that, and I ended up with it. Cool. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's a, yeah. a very unique name, too. Not a lot of people are going to have that. I, outside of my dad, I've met one other person with the name my whole life. I'm pushing. I'll be 31 in a few days. Cool. Very cool, dude. Um, so you making knives mainly in your shop from the looks of it, eh? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to get in <clears throat> to other things. Um, in my spare time, I'm working on other stuff. I'm, I really, no matter what it is, I find myself gravitating toward Damascus. No matter what, no matter how, um, I try to go back to mono steel, and I just keep, I just keep getting back into Damascus. But I've been trying to step away from actual blacksmithing. I've been teaching myself a little bit of welding on the side, trying to learn how to MIG weld, um, like that yard art stuff. Too at the same time, I want to incorporate like blacksmithing, the Damascus, and that part of it into some kind of art somehow, some way that's different than most people. I don't know yet. It's just. I make knives, but I don't think that's what I'll do forever. Right. Cool, cool. I like it. Well, I I'm kind of in a similar boat to you, but on the <clears throat> opposite spe- spectrum, where I'm not doing knives, but probably one day I uh, will do some knives. You know, try to yeah have the whole spectrum of it all. So I appreciate that, man. The guy that I the guy that I learned from, he's really big into traditional smithing, and he is very much a tool maker, and he's great at it, and I love what he does. Um, it's just I haven't gotten there yet. I'm still stuck on the knives in the Damascus right now. Oh, yeah. Who's that? that you learned from? Um, that's Jordan Bolsterman. He's out of Gainesville, Florida, down here where I'm at. He does classes. He's actually traveling a little bit this year, which is good for him. He's getting invited to uh, conventions, to schools. Um, people are paying him and his expenses to go do stuff. So that, that's awesome. I'm happy as hell for him for what it's worth. Um, but he's just an overall good teacher, a good guy. He values himself on being a knife and tool maker, and he's very much a traditionalist. He does have a power hammer and stuff like that. But um, if you ever get to watch him work, you'll realize that he does as little machine work as possible. He's very much – he doesn't grind any more than he needs to. He very much relies on his ability to shape things with his hammer more so than a lot of smiths that I see. He's very much a, he, he says it a lot. He's a blacksmith, not a grindsmith, and I think Jordan is a really good – representative of that he he doesn't mess with the grinder unless he has to and I, I love that about him yeah yeah i hear that man for sure that's something i can appreciate in a blacksmith as well uh how long yeah. ago was that that you started doing that dude 
Um, it was Father's Day, not this this Father's Day, but the Father's Day before my wife and son got me a knife making class, a one day knife making class. It was about six ish hours, give or take. Um, and man, when I tell you I had a good time, I just I just had a great time. Um, I still have the knife. I carry it more than I carry any other knife, um, including like my Damascus stuff. So like, um, it, it, it's my favorite knife. It'll always be my favorite. And it just, since I struck hot iron, it just struck into me. And at that time, Jordan had open forward. So it was really similar to like, um, open gym. If you were say like a basketball team where you go and you get to work out and stuff like that. So if you paid a monthly fee, you got to go to Jordan's forge and use his tools, his equipment, his propane, his forge. Um, only thing you had to do is just pay your fee and bring your own steel. Yeah. Um, and he would kind of teach you on the side. He wouldn't spend like his whole time there. He would be working on his stuff. But if you had questions, he was more than happy to help. But the cool thing about it was, is there were probably five or six people there at a time. So he didn't have to teach you. There were other Smiths there working around you that were willing to teach you and get involved. It just really, that part of it sold me as well. It was, it, it was to the point like, like I, that's all I wanted to do. And it's all I ever want to do still. <laughs> Awesome. I, I, I never thought that a, a one day class would turn into what it is now. Uh, what is it for you at this point? Is it simply a hobby? Um, is it a part-time job, full-time job? I, I would say a part-time job. Um, I, I don't really make knives and post them for sale. Okay. Um, I, I, I try to stick with commission work only. Um, because I feel like once you start making knives and you start just producing them and putting them out for sale, um, I feel like when I did that, I lost the passion in it. Um, I was just making knives to make knives. So I had to pull myself back. My quality wasn't where it wanted to be. I was rushing stuff and cutting corners. Um, so I, I, I just didn't like that feeling of how it turned something that I really enjoyed into something that was just more pressure than I felt it needed to be for no real reason. Huh. Um so I kind of scaled back and I post everything that I make on my social medias all the time. Um, everything is for sale, I guess. Name my price. Um, but I'm, I'm not posting like prices, shipping and all that. But if anybody wants anything, I'll happily make it. So it's like a part-time job, but I don't really rely on it. It's just something that I enjoy doing. And if I can make some change on the side or if I can make some money to buy a new tool or an upgraded part, cool. Hopefully one day it'll become full-time. I would really love to be a billet maker. I think that would be an awesome job. Somebody who makes billets and people buy the billets from them. That is something that I would really enjoy doing. Um, <clears throat> it just It's part-time for now. Hopefully I can make it full-time later. Cool. So what do you do for a full-time job, dude? Um, well, right now I'm working part-time with um, a metal manufacturer um, trying to my way into that industry because since i came into blacksmithing i've really enjoyed metal yeah didn't matter what it was um just something about it i don't know uh, the danger the noise the heaviness the cuts the bruises something about it just makes me just feel like i'm doing something different um my previous life i've been um uh i was a harley salesman cool it's a fun job but it was a fun job but i knew it wasn't a career so i left that and i do what i do now but before that, I've spent all of my life working for um, Dollar Generals and Walmarts, but in the logistics warehouse side. Oh, yeah. um, I started at the bottom and I ended up becoming <clears throat> um, shift managers in buildings just so, so you can kind of 
kind of understand. So you got like your hourly, then there were area managers, and then I made it to above the area manager, but below the building director. So I was like right there in the middle management area. And um, I, I rode that train as long as I could. As a matter of fact, it moved me from Ohio all the way down to Florida. Um, I used the logistics career to help me move down to Florida because I don't like snow. You guys up there in Canada are, um, you guys are men amongst children to me. Um, yes, there's, yeah. I, it's the worst thing in the world. I absolutely hate it. It's miserable. Curse words. You guys are. How dare you? Um, heathen. I, 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 I lived in Southern Ohio. We had some bitter colds and I knew from like probably six, like that snow sucked. <laughs> so my only goal in life was really to move to Florida. Um, and I stumbled into that, to the warehouse job. I just wanted to find a job and they paid really good hourly. And then my manager was an idiot. So I told my buddy that I wanted to be a manager if it was that easy. And well, um, I made it happen. Ended up moving down to Florida a few years later, switched from Walmart to Dollar General and then um, I had a stroke, actually, oh, shit. Um, a miniature stroke. Yeah, a miniature stroke two days after my wedding um, down here in Florida when I was when I was working where, where I was working and um, kind of changed my perspective on things and like uh, like how I was living my life. I wasn't like a bad person. I wasn't like um, I, I drank more than I probably should have, but I wasn't like getting drunk every night type deal. I'd have three or four beers a night with dinner type situation. I was sucking on those nicotine sticks, working 16 hour days, drinking three or four energy drinks a day, mm. not sleeping. Um, my, my neurologist said I was pretty much a recipe for disaster. I just, nobody knew when the bomb was going to tick, hmm. it, when it was going to blow and it just blew on me. And I, I didn't have a real stroke, but I, the only way they can explain what happened to me is that I had a miniature stroke. Okay. Um, is the best way. I, I forgot how I couldn't remember how to walk, so my my, my legs wouldn't work. Oh, shit. It took me about six months six months to learn how to walk. Again, um, some I still stutter sometimes. Like I'm gonna stutter a little bit in this podcast because I'm a little anxious. So like when I get anxious and nervous, I my stutter comes out just a little bit. Yeah. But like I had a full blown stutter. It was really bad. Um, and I pretty much my doctor. She, she, I told her, I was like, all right, what do I need to do to make this not happen? I'm not even 30. I wasn't even 30 at the time. And I was like, and you're telling me that I pretty much just had a stroke. What, what, what's, what do I got to do? I can't do this to my wife. I just got married. Like we, we didn't get to go on a honeymoon. Fuck yeah. um, Damn, and she gave, and she gave me a lo- laundry list of things to cross out and I just knocked them out one at a time. Boom, boom, boom. Some quicker than others. Like the nicotine went away. No problem. I knocked that one out. Um, I started exercising. I don't exercise as much as I used to, but I still do exercise. Even outside of forging, I still exercise. Um, I eat much healthier. I don't eat as much processed foods anymore because, well, I'm not working at the warehouse, so I'm not going and getting all this junk food all the time because it's easy. Um, uh, I control my mental stuff. I don't have as much stress over me because I don't know if you've ever been in the mid-level management job, but I was in charge Mm -hmm. of – I had – 12, 12 salary people that reported to me. And then at one point, 350 hours. I've been there, but um, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of people. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff. And I did well with it for years and years and years. But unfortunately this last time we, it was just, it was a, such a long spell of six day week overtime. And my body was just like, Hey dude, you may not be done, but we are. And just decided that was enough for me. And in that time, my wife, when I was recovering, when I was going through physical therapy, my wife's like, hey, take this class. You've always talked about it, da 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 da, da but you never had the time because of work. May as well do something while you can, if you can. 
And at that point I was pretty low. I was pretty depressed. Cause you know, I mean, who wants to learn to walk at 29 and all this crap, you know, it's kind of a weird place to be. So she kind of, she motivated me to get out of the house and get some stuff done and really challenged myself to do something. It was probably, it was the most physical thing I'd done since I had regained my ability to walk. And at that time I was still kind of like stumbling. Um, the guys at the forge knew that something was weird. They, they were cool. They didn't ask, they didn't poke and prod, but like, they knew something was different because of the way I was walking and acting and I had a stuttering problem. Um, later down the road, they got to learn about me and now we're friends and they know all about everything and all that stuff that happened. But it was really challenging thing. And I was just so damn proud of myself fuck yeah. that yeah, I did it. Fuck yeah. And, 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 and I think that's why I like it so much is because it was at a really low point in my life where I could barely walk, let alone swing a hammer, be in the heat and learn all that stuff. My brain was reconnecting with my body. I was in the middle of physical therapy. It was a really weird time. So I think it was just that if I could have learned a knit, I think, um, I, I don't know. It might've been timing or maybe I was meant to be a blacksmith. I don't know what it was, but I made my first knife and it's right here. I made my first knife. I, you can't see it on the podcast, but you can see it. I made my first knife. I keep it with me close all the time. And I think it's because of how much pride I had that I did that is why I stuck with it as long as I have and why I'm so neck deep into what I am now. Dude, that's pretty fucking hefty, man. And like inspirational. Dude. Yes. But now, yeah, but, but now I don't drink. I'm, I'll be one year sober, October 2nd. Um, I, I, I it, it just spiraled. I tell people it's the worst, best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, kind of straighten out my life a little bit. Not that I was living bad, but I just wasn't living right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I hear you, dude. Totally hear you. Show, put, pick that knife up again. Show it nice and close for me. I want to get a picture of it. Yeah. Right on, bud. Got her. Yeah, that's the first one I ever made. It's just uh, 1095. Nothing crazy. Nothing special. I found this cool handle. My favorite color is orange. I found it on Etsy. I think it's from like 805 Woodworks or 405 Woodworks. I don't know. He makes some cool stuff. But, um, and I made the sheath with like a kit from Hobby Lobby. And now I got like rolls of leather and a whole toolbox here on my bench with leather tools. And there's a two by 72 grinder in the garage, a 25 ton hydraulic press. It's really, it's, yeah, it's really gone. It, it once it started, it just didn't stop, and I, I don't think I'm out of stuff to buy. Almost like I can find something. Don't get me wrong, but um, I've gotten all the big stuff out of the way. That's for sure. I've, I've made some sacrifices, and uh, I, I bet on me. How about that? We'll say that I bet on me with a couple things here. Well, I'll tell you what, I want you to tell me about your tool. I mean, tools, tools. I want you to tell me about your tools. I want to know uh, more uh, more about what you got. You got what kind of two by seventy two you got? Yeah. Um, I have a dictator grinder made by OBM, original blade maker. Um, I, had, I was going to go with a Maribraid. That's where I was taught on with Jordan um, and Jacob, who's another great blacksmith, Jacob Underhill, Underhill's Forge. Great. He makes really quality, good knives. He spends so much time on his fit and finish. He makes really good stuff. But um, they taught me on a Maribraid. And obviously, a Maribraid's a big brand. There's nothing bad to say mm -hmm. about them. Um, everybody likes them. And I looked at them, but... Man, I'm a. I gotta squeeze every dollar for what I got. Even if I got plenty of dollars, I still gotta make sure that this dollar counts for everything. So I shop. 
So for like, I'll shop on something that, that that's that expensive for six months before I make a decision. And I'll look for when they have sales or if they might have a sale. Like I'm, I'm very patient with yeah, these expensive smart. purchases. Um, so I did, so I did some shopping and I found out what I wanted, what I didn't want. I knew I wanted variable speed. That had to be a thing. I knew I wanted two horsepower and I knew I wanted to have it to, to have the tilt. So I need to have the 90 yeah. degree tilt and I'm a buy once cry once guy. So I, I, I do all this shit very, um, very calculated. I, I don't like to be cheap here because I got to pay for it later. I'm just, just go ahead, run the card. Let's get it over with. Go ahead hit me hard. Um, so I shopped and shopped and shopped. And at the time they had a really good deal on a two horsepower variable speed, um, 90 degree tilt belt grinder with, um, um, with the small wheel kit and, uh, the arm with the working, uh, with the work oh, yeah. table. They had a smoking hot deal on it. And I was like, man, I really want that Ameribraid because Ameribraid, but I said, F it. And I went for it and I lucked out. Because they screwed up on shipping and they didn't send me the motor or the variable control. Okay. <laughs> and it took like two weeks. It took like two weeks of me proving to them that they didn't. Which I'm not dogging them. They're doing their part because that happened to be the most expensive part of the package. So I understand what they were doing with their security and making sure that I wasn't well, bullshit. Sure, so yeah. I'm not dogging them. But it was it was probably it was probably about a week, week and a half of us going back and forth of me sending pictures of boxes and shipping labels and like everything that I had. And finally, they pulled through and sent it to me. And they also sent me 200 grinding Holy belts, Holy smokes. That's a deal. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, and like, so, so, like, I paid a little bit more for the grinder because it had everything I wanted. But, I mean, it kind of worked out because I ended up with about three, 400 bucks worth yeah. of belts out of it. And I've had that grinder for about a year, and I still don't have to replace belts. I don't, I don't have to yeah. order belts yet. For 30 and 60, for for 30 and 60 grit, everything else, yeah, but. They sent me a packs of 30 when and 60. you do grit. need to order some new belts, man, you can need to, you'll have to head over to Maritime Knife Supply, dude. They've got the best deal. I am, yeah, I'm currently converting from, for my steel, I used to do New Jersey okay. Steel Baron. Um, but I'm converting over to Maritime because they will cut the metal to size for you. Like down to four, six, eight, 12 inches in New Jersey steel bearing won't. And I value my time. So I'll pay them a little bit extra for their steel because they said it to me already cut and stacked the way I want it to. Cause I do a lot of Damascus. So it yeah. saves me, but I will definitely check out their belt prices on there. Right now I shop through, um, true grit. I think true grit. Cool. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, Lawrence know. is the best when it comes to customer service, man. You can't beat what he does at uh, Maritime Knife Supply, man. And uh, we also have a deal on Even Heat and Paragon Kilns. If you want to save a hundred bucks, you can use the code FSC Kiln at checkout. They'll save you a hundred bucks on. Even check that out because that's next on my list. Is a oh kiln. man, yeah. If you don't have a kiln as a knife maker, a definitely needs to be on your list, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's it'll be the last big purchase that i make i think <laughs> you'd I think. be surprised outside of a building like because i'm working out of a one-car garage that i also share a harley okay, Davidson. yeah in. well that's gonna get tight uh and uh it's very tight um unfortunately my harley Davidson spends a lot of time outside it's covered but uh it's got to spend a lot of time outside because i it can't share the space when i'm working in it obviously i can put it all in there at night but I can't no, share the space. Definitely not with grinding in there, man. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. I move it. Everything's on wheels. I, I, almost everything I have is custom built. Um, 
I try to custom build things. If I can, I guess I'll buy something from somebody. But I have everything on my shop is in wheels. My anvil's on like a dolly setup system. So where I just pull it and I can like wheel it around. Um, my grinder's on a cart. My forge is a, I, I converted a US General Harbor Freight cart. So the propane's underneath of it. The welder's right beside it. And then my forge is on top. It's on wheels. It moves out. So I, everything's mobile. That way I can utilize most of my space. And you were telling me about your uh, anvil on the uh, dolly system. What kind of anvil do you got there? I have it's a 184 pound mouse hole. Nice. Um, I looked into it. Uh, we have a man. I'm telling you, I couldn't have landed in a better place to be a blacksmith. So um, in the United States, I'm sure you have guys have something very similar up there in Canada. I'm sure you might even heard of it, but we have down here in Florida. We have the Florida Artisans Blacksmith Association. Yep, Kirk Stallings a really is. Big group. You know Kirk, then? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I might know him. I, I, I probably do know him. But anyway, like we have FabaCon in my town every year, so all of Faba meets where I live every year. Cool. So again, I lucked into it, um, and they had a convention last year, and I had just been into it for a couple months. So I went there with a couple of my blacksmith buddies that I made a couple friends, and I shopped and shopped and shopped. I did what I normally do. I was like, I know I got to buy an anvil, but I got to wait and be patient and do some research, look around because I'm very new to all this. Um, and I stumbled upon this mouse hole. The guy was selling it with the stand with eight hardy tools. He gave me um, a big ass blacksmithing book and a toolbox, a couple hammers, all kinds of stuff. I got a really good, really, really good deal on it. And I love it. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's awesome, dude. Mouse holes are then, solid anvils, man. I I mean, I don't know how to complain about an anvil because I, I don't, mine does the job just fine. Um, and even to boot, without asking or being prompted, when I told my wife how much I spent on the anvil, because I don't lie to her, she's going to find out one way or another about the money I spend. So I just go ahead and get it out. Um, I'll be damned if she didn't bring me half and give me, half of what i paid for it no way that's an awesome word of god wife. wow without asking without being prompted just the next day she handed me cash for half of what i paid for it jeez wow she's taking care of you I swear that's pretty awesome swear. and she encouraged it like she's bought me steel as like gifts yeah. wow <laughs> yeah like she's super encouraging that's very sweet man awesome um so what are you using for a forge Actually, I have a forge that is built out of a toolbox. It's the cheapest thing I have in my whole setup is my forge, believe it or not. How is it uh, built out of a toolbox? It is a two-burner forge that is a Harbor Freight toolbox that um, is insulated with bricks, wool, and um, the uh, the concrete that we use. I can't remember what it's called right now. Um, uh, Castellite? Yeah, 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 and um, it works great. It makes beautiful Damascus. I'm in the process of building a ribbon burner, um, a ribbon burner forge. I I bought the house made plans. I don't know if you ever heard of house made. No, I'm I'm sure. No, I don't. Don't know the guy. Uh, I'm 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 sure, but (laughs) I bought his plans, and I'm I'm I used to mess with. Actually, I still mess with 3D printers a lot. Um, so I'm familiar with like that program and how to get in there and stuff like that and change things. So I bought the plants from him and I pretty much put my logo and my name into the forge and there's a local company here who's going to cut them for me and I'll put it together and make my own forge out of it. Cool. Very cool. 
Yes. So the, the, right now I'm running the two burner that I have rigged up and patched and put bricks in and just made work. And it makes beautiful steel. And it, it's the cheapest thing I have in my forge at this point, honestly, is, is my forge. It's wild. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Well, okay. What about like hammers and stuff like that? You probably got a hammer that's um, costy less than that. that my pro- my primary hammer is the one that I made. Um, one of the, the second, or I think it was the third thing that I made was a hammer. I made a knife and I made another knife and then I made a hammer. Okay. Um, on you just completely so on that's your my own? Pro- no, no, no. Um, one of the guys around here helped me make my first hammer. Cool. And, um, so, and now I'm actually in the process of making another one. He came over again to help me. Um, he helped me make my own drift. He brought his drift over. I kind of copied it, made my own drift, yada, yada, yada. But I use my own hammer. And the other hammers that I have, I find at yard sales, man. I don't buy – I didn't buy one from anybody else. Um, See, that's what I'm saying. Like, you I, got I, cheaper, ha- cheaper yeah, tools like, than the forage. Oh, oh, I mean, yeah, that's probably the cheapest. My, my, I try to make my own tongs, but I really hate it a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, like a lot. And I almost – since I hate it so much, I almost am just willing to pay somebody – for the time and effort they put in because I know it's miserable. And I, I, I just, I hate making tongs. There's, um, there's some cheap so, and dirty, easy ways to make them. man. if you, uh, yeah, but cheap and dirty usually feels cheap and dirty and I don't like the, it feels weird in my hands. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I buy, I buy mine. I buy my tongs from a guy. He's a fiery furnace forge oh, out of Kentucky. Nice, Dave. Um, yeah, I don't know his real name, but I met him at Faba when he was down here last year, and um, I bought one t- a pair of tongs from him when he was down there, and I had zero complaints. So ever since then, whenever I need a pair of tongs, I usually buy a set from him or something like that. I buy his um, b- bunch of whatever odds and ends stuff from him. I, I like his, them a lot. They're very nice people. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's Dave Custer. I like almost positive that's who that is, but don't quote me on that he yeah those are wicked tongs dude i love the look of they them. make good tongs. they make great tools that those, those guys are really really good blacksmiths yeah yeah that's dave yeah i just looked um, real quick yeah but my pride and joy of my forge is probably my 25 ton press where is that from that's from clark iron forge in tennessee nice nice um, yeah he's making some i nice didn't ones. i i almost went the coal iron train the, the what's it what are they call 12 ton tribe i almost did 12 ton tribe um and then i entertained the 16 ton because i wanted a little bit more 12 mm-hmm. for that kind of money 12 just didn't 12 just wasn't selling for me okay um and i and i knew about clark but i didn't have the i didn't think i had the ability to run 220 um so clark was out of the question because his 110 um presses they were only 17 ton but they were super expensive because of that specific motor so it was like eh, not buying a clark i guess i'm gonna have to do this 12 ton from coal yada 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 and man when i tell you i was like one click away from ordering that coal iron press my buddy um justin down here florida man forge he messaged me yeah he messaged me and said hey clark iron has a blade show deal i'm going up there i'll bring it back for you if you want to buy one from him and I was like, that sounds awesome, but I can't run 220. I don't have 220. And he said, do you have a dryer? And I was like, yeah. He goes, buy an extension cord, stupid. I was like, done deal. So I run an extension cord from my dryer into my garage to run my hydraulic press. <laughs> it's it's not that hard to run a 220 cable to the garage from your panel, dude. 
You'd be surprised. Yeah, no, but this is just easier. Yeah. Well, yeah, yes and no. I mean, it's pain in the ass in a way, right? Versus having it just always it plugged is. in, right? It is, but it's all right. Yeah. It gets me by. It gets oh, me. Oh, totally, totally. There's, I'm not, I'm yeah, not knocking but, it, dude. Like it, it works. It's just, yeah. yeah. I, I will find a more permanent solution eventually. Yeah. But um, it's it's a great press. It's a tabletop press. It's in two pieces. Um, so due to my lack of space, I converted my woodworking bench that I made because I, I used to. I still do a little bit of woodworking. Not all that much. It's mostly metal now. But like I made some furniture in our house, some tables and odds and ends stuff like that. But so I, I converted that. I cut it almost in half and made like a little table out of it so that my hydraulic press fits perfectly right there. Because my lack of space, I couldn't do a floor model. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't have the, the area for the footprint. Gotcha. So I had to take space away from something else. And actually, once again, my wife, she was out there with me at like 11 o'clock one night cutting up my damn workbench with me, helping me put this shit together. Okay. Um, I got to yell at my wife right now, dude. Like, this is, this is too much. I can't handle it. Yeah, she, she she she's not always in there, but she taps in every now and then, and just out of nowhere for no reason, unprompted, ninety percent of the time, she just tap in and help me out when I need something or, or when something's going on out there. It, 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 I'm, I'm fortunate and thankful, and I to- I didn't tell her I was going to give her, her her shine, but I am. No kidding, eh? I actually I I have to admit my wife was in the shop with me last night, but it's because she wanted to get the tent set up and. Uh, and make sure that it's all good for a canoe trip. And it was so windy last night outside that we had no choice but set it up in the shop. I had to buy my wife a, some special chairs for her to sit outside in the out, outside of the forge with me while I'm out there. She wouldn't do it any other way. Dude, that is so sweet. <laughs> yeah, she drives a hard bargain. What can I'm I say? Kidding, hey? I'd buy my wife whatever chair she wanted if she'd be willing to come sit in the shop with me. That's for sure. Yeah. That's so, so awesome. Yeah, it's a little hot right now down here, so I don't expect it, but... Come the fall, winter, she'll she'll probably be out there hanging out with me. Because yeah. uh, it gets like 115 degrees in my shop, mm. 120 mm-hmm. at, at, at 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I know Florida. I, well, like you brought up Brian. I'm, I fall. Do you know Work For It podcast? Uh, yes. That's Brian's podcast uh, justin's mentioned justin's mentioned it to me i think i've seen him share it or something like that yeah, that's, yeah. well it's brian's podcast and i listen to that regularly dude and i'm a huge fan of brian we actually interviewed brian not that long ago and i will be posting that episode probably before this one comes out because it's like next on oh, the list cool. so yeah you didn't know about that because i haven't posted it yet and people listening to this right. are going to be like yeah but it's posted now so it's like probably confusing to people listening but... <laughs> yes now it's going to be weird yeah cool i'm in one of those weird podcasts yeah but um that that clark iron ford man i can't say no that thing is built to the nines he didn't cut a single corner mm-hmm. it's even to even like there's like quick inlets to to grease it like for a grease gun nice. to connect to to make sure it's it's and, and like his his uh, system to keep the dies in there is super simple and then his dies are easy to copy full full disclosure like I've made three or four sets of my own dies I got a squaring die a few kiss blocks and a couple drawing dies that I've made because his 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 it's just super easy to copy and replicate. <laughs> I have zero complaints about that. It was worth every freaking dollar. Highly recommend Clark Iron Forge. Highly. At least look at him. Shipping's expensive, but if you come down to Blade Show, he's always down there. If you're going to be in Tennessee, make a trip. He makes really good uh, ribbon burner forges, too. Yeah, you always just talk to 
Justin and get him to come deliver it for you. Uh, yeah, um, and again, Justin, out of a reason why I like the blacksmith community so much, he just offered. He said, hey, I know you're looking for these presses because he had one, so I was asking him questions about his Clark Iron press. Sure. And uh, and he was telling me all this, and I'm telling you, man, I was I was ready to click, and bing, a message popped up, and it was Justin, and he saved me from it, – it cost me a little bit – no, it cost me less money. Yeah, he saved me money and gave me more tonnage uh, easily. And – didn't it wouldn't even and I want to say this wouldn't even take the money I tried to give him for delivery. <laughs> wow, wouldn't take it. Yeah, I've heard good things about the man. Good things. Yeah, he delivered it to me at work while I was at work and refused to take money huh. that I tried to give him for delivery. So if that doesn't tell you, I, I like Justin a lot. Can't say enough about him. I'm going to be messaging Clark before I release this episode and tell him that he owes me royalties. Uh, he's he's a super nice guy he'll respond back pretty quick and he's pretty smart we've chatted he's a nice guy i've chatted with him before yeah he's super cool super helpful yeah Yeah, i like him a lot cool and so what is your daily driver again you you, what type of hammer is it um i i I don't know man hammer i mean yeah is that like a (laughs) Um, rounding hammer it's a rounding and a flat hammer as all it is um, one side, the other side, I do have a cross peen that I use, but it's on my heavier hammer. I usually use for drawing out. That's what I usually use a cross peen for, but nine times out of 10, I'm with my go-to hammer. Um, I even got like a leather collar on it that I made that looks super cool. Like I, I, I branded like my blockchain blacksmith on the side Sweet. of it. I, I, I'm pretty proud of it, yeah. man. Um, I don't like that. I, I, I believe the term whole ass everything. Um, I don't like to half-ass very much. So if it's something that's mine, for sure, I'm going to deck it out with all this odds and this stuff. i got to stand out just a little hmm. bit. Just a little bit. Uh, that's a, uh, I don't take that approach to things, that's for sure. I definitely half-ass think things way too much when it comes to my own stuff. But when it comes to what I produce for a customer, I try to put in as much effort as yeah. I possibly can, that's for sure. It, it's definitely recently I've gotten into that because when it was always for me, I was like, eh, F it, I don't care, whatever. Eh, F it, I don't care. But as of recently, man, it's just – whole ass everything whole ass everything just 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 do it do it right and if it can't do it right try it again uh i'm just trying to be better that's all it is try to be better than i was yesterday at everything i do whether it's blacksmithing being a husband father whatever maybe i guess when i say like i i i half-ass things when it comes to myself i don't mean that i don't want like i don't i don't subject myself to lesser quality and something that'll work like my forge for example it, it's an right. awesome forge but i built it out of scrap metal so there's a couple pieces that don't fit together quite right that i had to like add some stuff right. to make it look and it, so it looks a little janky on the outside but it works absolutely amazing i haven't I've been using the same forge for like six years now so no 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 I, I definitely get that right but uh yeah when it comes to something like a hammer and definitely try to put a enough effort into it that you're getting pretty quality hammer out of it in the long run as i've gone forward yeah. i've learned more tricks to make them nicer and nicer but uh-huh. i don't make very many but i'm gonna build a die for my press i'm gonna cheat i bought the press to use yeah. it so i'm gonna try to dabble with hammers i think because i have the press it'd be silly for me not to totally. try because i can one two heats max i can drive right yeah. through that so it would be silly for me not to at least dabble and try you yeah. know um so i'm sure i will down the road there's I, there's nothing i won't try i just did in a uh, turkish twist damascus um and it's stuck uh, i haven't etched it yet um it's 
Um, I'm, I'm super nervous because I, I struggled with it. It's the second time I've tried it. Um, it was 100 layer, 100 layer quarter inch bar is what I used. So I had 100 layer squash down to half inch bars. I'm sorry, half inch bars. And then I stacked those three half inch bars on the top of each other. And I'm telling you right now, there's a whole lot less metal than I thought there was going to be left. Um, that was an eye-opening experience for me. Um, I, I, I don't grind any more than I need to. So, so I, it was, if it wasn't for that press, I wouldn't be able to do this kind oh, of stuff. Sure. So I'm, I'm just thankful for that clock grind press. Yeah. It, it, it takes my time because I've made some handmade Damascus and realized that I needed the oh, press. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, oh. <laughs> I know that you can do it. You can yeah, do it. But my, my, the, when it comes to making absolutely. money doing it, it's a different story. Yeah, if you're doing it for money, you're not going to do it very long. Because it'll take you days. It'll take you days to do a a high layer Damascus. So, I yeah no. Um, thank you for my press. I love that dang thing. I'll never get rid of it. So, what did you find was your main struggle when it came to making this Turkish Turkish twist? Sorry. Um, it was getting. When he had the the three bars stacked on each other, it was making sure that when I was grinding, I wasn't grinding away too much. Obviously, I don't want to take away from the pattern. I don't want to take away from the material that I have. But keeping those those lines flat and even and making sure that when I was welding them together, there was a little bit of gap that I didn't like. But I just said it myself, you know, the love tap before you, you go in to swing with the hammer. It just made me nervous because it was a very big process. It was days worth of Damascus making. And I was just anxious because I'm I've haven't I've been doing this for just under two years, and a Turkish twist isn't something that most people try. Um, but I only try things that make me nervous. So naturally, I, I was just super anxious. I didn't struggle; it stuck. Um, there was an end that didn't stick, but I, I cut it off. It's no longer part of the metal. I think it's a solid blade. It'll end up going to my wife. She'll end up having it. I won't even sell it. I just wanted to oh, make it. Right. You brought up a, an interesting uh, subject there with the fact that you like to do things that uh, make you nervous. And it's some, that's something I'm, I've been trying to push on my kid lately. She'll get into a situation where she says she's scared and she's like, no, no, dad, I don't want to. I'm scared. And it's like, no, it's, that's okay. There's, it's okay to be scared every once in a while. Dad's here. He'll make sure you're safe. But you know what? It's it's okay to do something that scares you every once in a while. In fact, it's good to do something that scares you every once in a while because it helps helps you grow as a person. If you just wow, who did I just was it? Maybe it was on Brian's podcast that they were talking about it. No, it couldn't have been. Maybe it was. I don't know. Maybe it was Tom Billy's. But staying stagnant and not taking risks because taking risks is where you will grow the most as a person. I mean, you're, I mean, just, just think about forging, for example, like we take blocks of steel, we heat it up and we beat the shit out of it and we make beautiful knives. So that steel had to go through some uncomfortable stuff in order to become what it is in this beautiful knife or this beautiful tool or beautiful hammer. So, I mean, that's kind of a, um, I don't know, a cheesy analogy, (laughs) but I mean, like nothing cool happens unless something bad happens first, in my opinion. So you kind of got to do things that suck in order to appreciate the good things in my brain. So anytime I see something that makes me nervous, that scares me, that might kill me, um, I want to do it. I can't help it. Um, I go towards that stuff and weird things. When I tell people what I'm going to try, like I'll, I'll message some friends like, hey, I'm going to try this. Like I'm, I'm probably going to try a jelly roll Damascus next just because why not? I think that's not? my favorite style of Damascus, um, honestly, dude. 
I've never done one. I've never even seen one, but I'm just, like I said, man, I'm just one of those guys. Like that's not in my skill level. I'm well aware of that. I, I, it's going to be a test and it's going to, it's going to suck. I'm going to be nervous about it, but I'm not going to know I can do it unless yeah. I do it. Unless yeah, I try it. It's not skill level because um, and, you haven't tried it yet. Once you start doing it, then right, it'll be your so, skill level. Right. So like, that's just how I look at all this is I just, I, I, I try things that most people would say, ah, oh, I can't do that. I haven't been doing this very long, man. I can't do that. I'm like, fuck that. Excuse my language, no, but um, I'll do it. I don't, I, I'll try it. Whatever. What do you want to try? You don't want to do it. Whatever. I'm game. Let's yeah. do it. Um, and that's from some of the Smiths that I hang out with. They really inspired that on accident. They invited me over to do some plug Damascus over at um, Jordan's cool. house. And I had no idea what plug Damascus even it? was. It's where you take a, so for example, I made a, like my Damascus billets that I made for my Turkish twist, the twist rod. So you make it, you take your Damascus twist rod and you make a circle out of it, right? You okay. round it. And you either drive or drill a hole into an already yeah. Damascus billet. You plug that Damascus yeah. into it. I had no, had no idea what that. I didn't even know we could do that. So when I, they invited me over there, and I was watching, and I do a lot of video recording. Like I have a couple of GoPros right here in front of me. Um, I'm always recording. Um, I like to create content. I don't even care if you watch it. I'm still going to post the shit. Yeah. Um, it's just something that I really enjoy doing. But so while I'm in that content creating, like I'm paying attention more than most people are because like I'm watching the guy who's doing this while these other people are over talking. So when I learned that I could take metal that was already metaled together with other metal and put it inside more metal, my brain just like exploded. I was like, oh shit, this is, I'm going to do some weird stuff now. And then I got the press and it's been on. I've, I, I'm confident in my Damascus. I haven't had any failures in a long time. Um, so I'm confident that I can get my Damascus to stick together, but now I'm just trying to challenge myself with making the designs that I want to make, not the design that the metal does. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, That's where I'm at with you. Are you a flux or no flux kind of guy? I am a kerosene flux. Um, and if I get nervous, like I did with my Turkish twist, I might sprinkle a little bit of flux on there at a different time throughout the heat um it just all depends but i will say i've had more success with kerosene than i have with flux in my opinion um but sometimes i do get nervous and i go back to my good old safety net of of uh, borax for some reason to sprinkle some on there the old, so, the old um, team 32 or whatever it is yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah and, and it, it works i just hate it because of yeah. how messy it is and i run a propane forge but i did luck out i acquired a little mobile um coal forge recently um i just got a line and put a couple odds and end pieces together i got it um for three dollars best price um <laughs> I, guess I, just, I guess that's just what i get for i, I just I always find myself in situations man because nine times i'm always willing to help yeah. somebody and just i'm just always somewhere and i i've some as of lately i've been looking and like i ended up with like six sets of leaf springs and a miniature coal forge for three dollars, no money. Um, and I don't need six sets of leaf springs, so I just kept two and I gave four out to the other blacksmiths right. in the area because it'd be stingy of me to keep all that when I got it for free. So um, I tried my best to just pass that on as well. Is that something uh, you have worked with quite a bit? Is um, reclaimed steel or? Um, I try to, but I don't depend on it. 
Um, I've always, I, I think with reclaim steel, you, you, it's a guessing match. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know exactly what the steel is. I know what it might be and it could probably be used as a blade. Um, but I don't, I, I don't use reclaim steel if somebody is commissioning something. How about sure. that? If I'm messing around, if I'm, if I'm practicing, if I just want to dick around, so I want to make like a big cleaver or something, I got a giant leaf spring. I'm definitely gonna make like a two-handed like video game cleaver out of that or something. That's gonna get wild. Um, but I don't know if I would ever make anything out of that to sell because I just don't know what the steel is. I don't know the quality. I don't have a way to test it, and I honestly don't care to test it because if somebody's giving me money, I'm gonna spend money on quality material and make sure that I know what For they're sure. getting. For sure. Unless there's like, yeah. a, you know, you run into the odd customer that wants you to use some sort of reclaimed steel. Sometimes they'll have something that meant to them. Right? Yeah, I've I've had people bring me rasps. I've had a guy bring me a rasp, a right. horse rasp, and wanted me to make a knife out of it. And that's cool. I'll do it. It's not what I would ever do. Um, I, 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 it's just not for me. I, I rasps are too expensive to turn into knives, in my opinion. I, I really think that the value of steel is cheaper. Um. And it's just not my thing. But if you want it done, you want to pay me some money, I'll make whatever you want. I don't care. Well, if there's um, like some sort of sentimental made, value attached to the rest, maybe it was like his grandpa right, or something, it, right? Or, yeah. Right. Yeah. Whatever Whatever anybody wants. Money talks. So I'll make whatever you want. It is what it is. But if I'm making it, I'm not I'm not going to use rasp or really reclaim. I'm going to use those leaf springs to practice for sure. It's good practice material at the least. What's your uh, favorite style of knife to make, bud? Um, I have really gotten into cleavers as of lately. Um, like this one, I don't know if you can really see it, Okay, but, uh, this is my first, first cleaver I ever made. And ever since then, I've just been really, really into them. I like the angles. Um, I like how you can see, like, especially with Damascus, because usually with, with a cleaver, I like to keep it a little bit thicker and I can see my layers inside the metal, stuff like that. I've been making a lot of cleavers lately. Um, but I was actually commissioned to make a bushcraft knife. So I've busted out about four or five different bushcraft knives, um, uh, which is pretty much just a big drop point, mm-hmm. I guess, if you ask me, mm-hmm. that's kind of what it is to me. So I guess my primary is drop points, okay. give or take, but I always like to do my own little twist. There's always something weird about one of my blades, man. I try to, I try to be weird on purpose, full disclosure. I want people to be like, man, why do you do that? I, I I like yeah. that reaction. Yeah, I don't know. You. Yeah, I'm not traditional by any means. Cool. <laughs> uh, hmm. So, uh, what what kind of uh, stuff are you listening to in your shop for music wise, dude? Um. Well, I mean, much like he's he's trending right now, but as of lately, I mean, I I definitely been getting down on the uh, Oliver Anthony train. You heard him yet? Can't say I have. Uh, he's got a. He's this um, Appalachian kid guy. Shouldn't say kid. He's this Appalachian guy. Um, his name's Oliver Anthony Music on Spotify. He reached iTunes US charts number one without a record label because of one song, and he's been blowing up on TikTok. It's called Richmond, North of Richmond. Pretty much describes like how a lot of Americans are feeling. Canadians may be able to relate to it. I don't know about politics, but I know no, we said we don't thing. talk about it. I same don't thing. want to, but um. But um, it, it just gave a what, – what I felt like a, just a, a taxpayer's point of view of how they're feeling right now is what it is. So I listened, I've been listening to him a lot, but I do listen to um, – I can listen to anything, <laughs> man. Um, 
so like Morgan Wallen, I'll listen to him. Then there's this band called Them Dirty Roses. Let me go through my Spotify. I don't know if you've heard of the Mexican that Mexican mm-hmm. OT. He's a Texas rapper. He's it's it's wild stuff. It's like I tell people he's like the Mexican Slim Shady. Okay. <laughs> um, and then like I'll listen to like heavy metals. Like I'll listen to Slipknots. I'll listen to um, like screaming music. It's just how I'm yeah. feeling that day. Um, I, I try to listen to podcasts, but the thing about listening to podcasts is you kind of have to pay attention yeah. to them. And, and I miss a lot of shit when I do that. So I don't listen to as many podcasts as I would like to. When I'm driving, I listen to podcasts, but I don't drive very often either. But um, it really just depends on how I feel. But you can come into my shop and you can hear Shania Twain. You can hear um, <laughs> Little Wayne. You can hear Frank Sinatra, Mariah Carey. Who knows? It could be anybody, man. It, it just all depends. I I have, I see no have no blinders when it comes to music. I like it all. Uh I was going to try to figure out what I've got for a music suggestion here on my playlist. And I'm like totally um, kind of blank. I've been like this lately for the music playlist. I'm like, what have I been listening to? I unfortunately have kind of been on this like thing where I've just been listening to this uh, punk playlist. It's a punk ska playlist. I just been listening to that nonstop. It's pretty much all I listen to lately. I don't know. It's uh, it's a really good playlist. I use the Spotify. Spotify has this DJ thing. It's an AI thing. I don't know if you use Spotify. I mean, you do this with a podcast, is obviously, but they got okay. like the DJ, and like it plays songs that it thinks yeah, you might like. Right. And I get some gold out of there. Really, it does me really good. I'm happy with that. Yeah, I think things. my brother in laws tried to turn me on to that one. I definitely I don't use Spotify to listen to anything. Um, I've got like a different app that I use for just for podcasts themselves, and then as far as like. You know, it's like I upload the podcast to Spotify. It I use a program that uploads it to all the different programs. So oh, okay, yeah, I understand. Yeah, but um, the, don't get me wrong, the AI DJs hit or miss sometimes, but I do get some good mm-hmm. ones out of there. That's for sure. I use it a lot, but I've been using my same Spotify account for probably ten years, so they got a lot of data on me on what music I listen to. Yeah, because of that. Yeah, I hear that. So. It's it's pretty much catered to me at this point. I I don't. It does really good. Okay. Well, I am gonna throw out a song from Rancid. I know I've put them on the playlist before. It's coming from the same album, but I'm gonna go with "Up to No Good" from Rancid. It's off the "Let the Dominoes Fall" album, which is a super awesome album, just start to finish. That's the story of my life. What's that? Up the song good. title. <laughs> well, I don't know. You yeah. sound you. You, uh, you say you haven't been like into into trouble and stuff, pretty much, right? Like you're not a troublemaker type thing. So, uh, well, I don't have a criminal record. Um, yeah. So there's I, that. So I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I was a troublemaker probably up until it was time to go to a big boy oh, jail, yeah. and then I, I quit being a troublemaker. Smart, you know. <laughs> I, I was one of the guys who had the opportunity to go hang out in big boy jail for a couple hours. And I was like, this sucks. Um, I think I'm going to not do this stuff anymore. So I grew up Smart. pretty quick. Yeah. After Smart that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of my better decisions. Uh, hey, I got to bring up a guy that we also deal with. His uh, name is Dawson DeTwiller. He runs a company called the Tour of Lindsay Doyle. You may have heard about them before if you've listened to the okay. podcast previously. 
They have uh, awesome, awesome linseed oil product that's food safe. And he's got a couple other um, products that he's added wax to that are great for finishing woods, great for finishing metals when like a hot finish on metals and stuff like that. It can save you 10% on orders $50 or more. If you go over to twillerlinseedoil.com, place an order, use the uh, code forgechat10 in checkout. It'll save you 10%. Would, are you, have you used any linseed oil products or anything like that with your knives? I do. I don't. I. I. I yeah. Linseed boiled linseed oil is pretty much like. I mean, there's not a lot better to use. I think from like an easily accessible oil for the most part because you can kind of find it at most hardware stores, and if not, I mean, Amazon has it or other individuals mm-hmm. make it too. Um, I've tried a bunch of different things. I like linseed nice. oil the best um, as far as my handles go. Um, and then, uh, I, I pretty much, if I'm putting Lindsay on the handle, I put it on the knife too. And to tell anybody who I use it to just to keep the knife oiled with any kind right. of clean oil. Um, so, um, I will definitely check them out cause I like supporting people. I do buy some stuff from Amazon, but if I can find somewhere else and I've got to pay a couple extra bucks, I don't mind. So I'll definitely check them I, out. I, the, the reason that I kind of went with Dawson, like I, I kind of sought him out on in a way, like I found a, found out about his company. And when I kind of looked into what he does, I was like, dude, this is the guy I need to connect with. He's awesome. We need to bring him into the blacksmithing community because what he does matches what we do just perfectly because he's like us, man. He's small scale. This is a guy that him and his brother own the farm together. They put the seed in the ground. They pull the plants. They crush the seed themselves. He's in the process of building himself a new uh, shop right now specifically for making linseed oil instead of doing it out of the garage and it's like man right so awesome dude small small town kind of uh brothers in uh, saskatchewan so yeah highly highly recommend checking them out for sure dude that's awesome if you do man good for you <laughs> right on. yeah so uh what's on the uh on the hit list right now what are you uh working on in the shop right now I need to make my own wrapped axe. I need to go ahead and nut up and do that. I need to learn a that wh- process. A which? A wrapped um, axe? A, wrap, a wrapped axe, like where we wrap it around gotcha. and forge well yep. together. Um, that's the only way I've seen one made down here um, where I'm at. Uh, like, again, Jordan Bolsterman, he learned from, I cannot remember his last name. And if they hear me not remember his last name on this podcast, they're going to shoot me. But his first, Elmer oh, Roush. Yeah. Um, yep. he's a black, yeah, he makes amazing, amazing axes. And Jordan had the opportunity to learn directly from Elmer how to make these axes. So I've only ever seen axes made rap style. I've never attempted one myself, but I've seen it made a lot. So I need to cross that off the list. Um, that's for sure. I need to finish my, a hammer on my own. That's for sure. Um, I would like to, and just keep with my Damascus. I want to keep learning the patterns and learning how to make these patterns and just explore that a little bit more. Um, I wouldn't mind making a big chopper, something like that. And a sword is on my list, but I think I need to just chill out on the sword for now. Um, I think mainly because of quenching, I don't have the ability to quench it. I don't have the, my forge isn't long enough, but that's on the hit list as well too. Maybe a short sword. I could probably squeeze a, a short sword. But, um, again, there I am making excuses, so I'll just have to get a bigger quench tank and figure this shit out and make a sword now. Because um, <laughs> uh, I don't like excuses, so now i got to put that on my list because of this podcast. i got to make a damn sword. Um, yeah, yeah, it is what it is. 
But um, actually, I don't know if you've heard of Last Blade Standing. Yeah, Martins? oddly enough, I just saw something on Facebook about it today. Yeah. Um, so I'm not a, like I don't. I, I was invited to compete this year, and I was super excited, man. Um, more excited than most people, only because I like opportunities to prove myself. Um, I like opportunities to compete against people who I know are better than me. I like to put myself out there and just. Man, I, I like to fight a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I like to get in there and just see where my skill level is. And I, and I, it oftentimes humbles me. And that's what everybody needs, I think, a lot of times mm-hmm. to be humbled. Um, so I was just super excited to compete. I just I got an invite. I've been working really hard on my Damascus. I knew that was a big deal. I knew what they wanted to see. I've been practicing hard. So I got the invite, yada, yada, yada. Well, long story short, um, the person in charge of Last Blade Standing shut it down abruptly. Um for reasons that I, I'm not going to get on the podcast and drag or anything like that, but it just doesn't make very much sense. And I will let those involved do their own research, but it appears that certain groups did not receive the charitable donations that were given. Um, the parameters always are you, whatever blade you, um, you, you give is to be sold auction for charity and money was not given is all I can really okay. say right now. So that is that's a shit show. It's no longer a thing. The guy shut it down. The Facebook, Instagram, all that's gone. And it's a real shame because there was it was it was a good it was a pretty big deal and um it kind of put a bad look on the blacksmith community now. Um because we're we're not talking like a hundred bucks, we're talking like five figures worth of money that didn't get that didn't get delivered. So it's kinda not cool, man. Um these kids needed that fucking money, and I'm mad about it. <laughs> um, I'm more mad about that than I am the competition itself now, and it is what it is. But blacksmiths do what blacksmiths do. So there's a competition, I believe, in Alaska that's going to go down. There's a competition, I believe, in North Carolina. And then us blacksmiths down here in Gainesville are organizing our own competition to do the same thing. And we're going to donate our blades and auction them off and make up for what was missed out by somebody hmm. else. Well, that's pretty honorable, dude. Good for you. Yeah, um, and it wasn't just us. I mean, like like Jacob Underhill, Underhill's Forge, he's going to host the event at his house out in his shop on his property down here in Florida. Um, a lot of people are putting their necks out on the line trying to make this right because it's kind of a sour taste in the Blacksmith community. I down wish here I could remember who I saw that posted this because somebody posted on Facebook today about how they're going to – Oh, gonna it re- was um, Barrett. Barrett Knives, Carter Gage was one of them. Norse Forge was one of them. Pretty much all the big heads on TikTok were posting about it. Um, I don't know if no, you guys are on TikTok I, I'm, or I'm not, like that. But, um, I've, social media is too much yeah. with man. You should, enough. You, you should you <laughs> should dabble it. You should dabble in it. There's a thick ass community of blacksmiths on TikTok. It's crazy. It is nuts. There's so many of them, but that's where a lot of the info came out at, and it just. It was a really good thing. No, that no I mean, I, I, I saw a post both. today about, about somebody saying about how screw it, who cares if it got shut down, let's do this anyways. And somebody, somebody posted about that today on Facebook. Yeah, yeah there's, yeah, there's probably a couple um, groups that I can get you involved in. Like I said, um, Barrett Knives, he's mentioned something in Alaska. Norse Forge mentioned something about it back at his place in North Carolina, I'm pretty sure. And then Jacob is offering up his services as well. We're all working out time frames, so it's going to be a pretty mobile thing, and we're going to do what we can to make it right. Are you guys, like, what's the scheduling for that? 
spring is what I'm seeing. Everybody's looking at right now. We're thinking uh, April ish is what we're, is what I'm seeing. I don't know. I'm just offering if they need help, tell me what they need. I'll do what I can. I don't have a place for people to come and participate. So like I can't offer that and I ain't got a whole lot of money to give. So that's not happening either, but my services are available. So um, I don't know. I'll keep you informed. Obviously you and I chit chat every now and then on Instagram. You'll see me posting about it, but um, there's some things working. We're going to make up for it. And it sounds like it might even be better because it might be, even though it's not as big into one group, I think the fact that it's kind of being broken up gives it an opportunity for more people to hear about it, more people to go see it, more people to be entered into something like this. I think the big show is cool, but I really think this small community stuff and all of us talking about it. So you're seeing it up there in Canada, right? And like this happened in my down here in Jacksonville, Gainesville, Florida. So like it's obviously working. Um, so I'm, I'm really enjoying to see what the blacksmith community is going to do out of it, but it's just real disappointment at how it happened, man. A lot of Smiths work really well, hard to get that. One time. of the beautiful things about social media is it doesn't matter where you are in the world, because if you're part of the community that we've right. created on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook, wherever it might be that you kind of attach yourself to, there's, there's different groups in each one of the, in each one of those social medias. I've noticed that, that, you know, that certain people are more attached to Instagram and certain people are more attached to Facebook. Facebook and I, I don't even do TikTok because I'm just like, geez, Murphy, t- uh, Instagram and Facebook are enough already, right? right? It's and I do TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Jeez, and Louise. Facebook, and it is a freaking headache, man. I, I slip on YouTube. I I, I sometimes forget, but yeah, yeah. shit, I'm trying. Actually, <laughs> I'm trying, but like I, I record all the time, so I just take like 30 second snippets out of whatever I can grab real quick and yeah. just throw it on there. Now that I think about active. it, I never even introduced you as your forge name at the beginning. I just introduced you by name. So you're uh, blockchain blacksmith, right? Yeah, but that's subject to change. I don't know if I'm going to ride okay. out with that forever. Um, so blockchain, obviously crypto. Um, I was very heavy into crypto into the blockchain when I started this. I'm not so much anymore. Uh, I made my money and I got out. I was very fortunate. I didn't lose. I actually, I, I didn't lose. Um, I came out ahead. There were times when I did lose, but I didn't, I, I came out ahead of all that. But at the time I was very heavy into the blockchain. I was a moderator on accounts. I was part of projects. I was in, I was in it, man. I was deep, deep into it, like NFTs okay. and stuff like that. Um, and well, I was putting a lot of time into this group, into this project with these people and I wasn't getting paid for it. And I kind of just said, all right, you know, I'm going to step away for a couple of weeks um I, I, something's not right something's not working and right when i took that step away the crypto hmm. market fell apart um and tanked and thankfully i had some money in there and i lost it but again i'm still ahead um of what i've always been so i didn't lose but blockchain blacksmith just sounded really freaking yeah. cool when i said it um at that time and it kind of does go along and it rings and everything um, but I don't get on the blockchain anymore. I still have assets and stuff on there, but like, it's not part of me and who I am. So I've been discussing with my wife where I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to rename it. I don't know what it's going to be, but I got to change it now yeah. before it's too late. Um, unfortunately I did LLC as blockchain blacksmith. So it is an LLC, but I can name it whatever I, I can name it, whatever I want. Um, I can just do a fictitious name and change the name legally, but on social media, it can be Jim Bob's knife shop for, it doesn't matter as far as legal and tax comes, but I'm probably just going to use my name like Rowdy, but Rowdy at whatever forge I'm, I'm going to name my forge is probably what it's going to be something along those lines. 
Um, I just don't know what it is yet. I just did a logo redesign with a tattoo artist of mine. I traded him a knife, <laughs> a Damascus Skinner. He wanted a Damascus Skinner to go hunting with. Um, so I made him a Damascus Skinner and he made me a really fucking cool logo. It's the one that's on my Instagram page, uh, with the skull. It's hand one of one. He incorporated my nose ring in it and everything like that. So, um, yeah. <laughs> what drove you to decide to go with an LLC right off the hop like that? Yeah, okay. Tax write-offs. Like it's it's. Will I get any money back? I don't know, but I might be able to recoup a little bit because this yeah. shit's expensive, man. Um, it adds up. Welders, grinders, hydraulic presses. Like, um, I, that's the only reason I did it was for tax write-offs. Um, just so I can record my spending and maybe get a little, little bit of my money back, or maybe they won't take as much of my money um, when it comes to tax time. That's how kind of how it is yeah. out here in the States. Yeah. Well, I, it's just that um, I, my understanding is when you go with it into the taxes, you have to be making making just as much in order to be writing off that too, right? Like the, you can't write off more than you're making type thing, right? Um, well, I mean, you can show a negative, yeah. like a loss, as far as in stuff like that, I don't know exactly how that goes, but I just learned that I've known in my experience with my grandparents and them having an LLCs. Um, it's always a good thing if you're a hobbyist hmm. to have an LLC. That way you have something to record it on. You have something to be accountable for. And in a chance that it does take off, you have the records and you have the option to see where it's at. Come tax time, I don't know how it's going to work out, but at least I'll have the LLC and I'll have my receipts and my records and my incomes and my bank statements. And if I needed it, cool. If I didn't need it, cool. The, the it. reason I ask and I find it interesting is because I've had a few people tell me to try to keep it as a hobby for as long as I can and not turn it into a business, more specifically for the tax reasons. Although I've always questioned that because, you know, I've I've put a lot of money into my shop, dude. So that's what it was for me, man. I got to a point where I was spending more money than I thought I would spend on a hobby. And I was like, bro, there's no way like, like the, 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 I, I had to pivot and it's now one LLC and I do everything through my bank account. That's owned by my business. Oh, it's, uh, and also, it, it separates me as well because, like, I mean, um, I can't be – That is something in the United States you definitely have to be more careful about. Up here in Canada, we don't. So, so being a knife maker, being somebody yeah. who sells pointy, sharp objects, um, with that over my shoulder, I felt with doing my research that was the biggest, oh, okay, when I was looking into LLCs that, like, if I'm just a hobbyist and somebody wants to sue me, I got to fight that with my own yeah. assets in my house. But if I'm under an LLC, they can only yeah, take that makes the sense. LLC that has. totally makes way more sense than I was what I was thinking for just tax purposes, dude. That's yeah. the that was that that was the aha moment when I was doing my research for the tax purposes thing. I think it's going to work. I don't know, but like I said, if I needed it, cool. I'm glad I got it. If I didn't need it, well, I got it anyway. I guess I'm out. Like I think it was 110 oh, bucks down nice. here to do well, it. But, let me know how it works. <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, if, if you're smart enough to like, no offense to anybody, but if you're smart enough to like go to your state or wherever you're at to your, their government page and do the LLC that way, you save hundreds of dollars rather than going through some company who will uh, do the LLC okay. for you. Beautiful. So just out there for everybody, do a little bit of research before you give somebody 300 bucks because chances are you're overpaying for everything. You can do all that stuff probably on your state government yes. page. Guarantee it. Right. That's a good tip.
Uh, all right. Well, uh, yeah. So you mentioned you don't really do knives. So what do you make? Well, what's your what's your specialty? Uh, what's your go to? Go to? Jeez, whatever I feel like. Almost. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm I've, I'm kind of different when it comes to all of this because uh unfortunately i just well unfortunately fortunately just moved like a year and a half ago and that move actually is almost two years ago now dude wow wow geez so but in this last two years everything has just completely changed for me man um actually yeah so two years ago i would have been not living at home anymore i would have been living in my mom's house for the four month stint we had in between our selling our house and getting our new house and moving all of my equipment out of the shop into the new shop, having to set up the new shop, it's t- just taking a toll, dude. And it's like, at the same time that I was moving into the shop, I started getting these ideas. I, I had them at the old shop too, about setting more time aside for tooling, but it would have been a lot easier in the old shop because I was already set up for it. And I kind of started taking on more of that than I should have at one time when I moved in, I should have worried more about getting everything set up before I started worrying about like building my new hydraulic press and um, what else have I been trying to trying to finish a two by 72. I've been working on that, which I kind of totally forgot about now at this point, (laughs) man, I've had a leg post vice for six months that I haven't finished yet. What do you mean? You haven't finished like you're building your own leg Uh, post vice. No, um, I found a leg post vice, a six inch. This fucker's heavy. It's probably 130 pounds. Ooh. It's heavy. It's a monster. Yeah, that's a nice one. I found it. What? And it was, I found it where my wife works. They process metal and stuff like that. So sometimes I get lucky if I show up there and like we go to lunch, so I'll roll up and I'll see something. And I'll be like, hey, whoa, whoa, stop. Time out, time out. Like I found wrought iron chain links there. And um, there's all, all kinds of odds and stuff. But um, actually, they saved it for me because they knew I was a blacksmith. And they just wanted to know what it was because they weren't sure. And when I was up there one time, they showed it to me. Like, hey, I, I think we found something that you might like. And I was like, probably. Is it metal? Probably. Um, <laughs> like, it doesn't take much to please me when it comes to metal. So, sure, let's go look. And I was like, you got to be shitting me. And it, every bit, it's, it's 100 plus pounds. And they actually put on a handle for me, but it needs a spring um, and it needs just to be mounted to something. Yeah. Um, I made the spring. I started working on the mount, but I'd stop there. Would <laughs> <laughs> you have a leg vice or would, are you using any sort of vice other than that then? I am using, yeah, I'm using a, uh, like a little three inch vice that's on my workbench. Oh, if I would just take it, if I would just take a damn day to finish <laughs> the leg post vice, I'd probably really appreciate it. But yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, cool. The big ones are kind of, it's kind of an interesting thing. And I've had this uh, discussion with somebody else before. The big ones are really awesome to have because you can do heavier work on them and whatnot. But that's kind of the thing is they're almost more set towards heavier work. The four to five inch ones seem to be the ones that, you know, suit knife making more. What I've learned with leg post vice, um, I'm fortunate enough to have been invited to Smith's house to go to some events and actually see different practice, different uses, how they have them set up differently. And unless that damn thing is bolted to the wall, 
every time there's always wobble. There's always a little bit of movement mm-hmm. or some shake or something. So I knew when I was looking for a leg press vice, I just wanted the heaviest one I could find. Mm-hmm. I wanted all the weight that I could get because that's one thing that I noticed is that when I'm using a leg post vice, there's always some wobble and I still got to like maneuver a little bit. So I just wanted heavy. And I don't, my, the guy who teaches me, Jordan, he, um, his is mounted to his workbench at like an angle off the corner. Beautiful. Love it. I don't have the space for that right now though. I can't do that. So I got to pivot and do it a different way at the moment. But I just knew that I just needed, I wanted the heavy one. And I just fortunate enough, again, my wife, somehow, some way she was there to support me again without even trying, just happened to be at her job. They found something and they knew I've made knives and they thought that I would at least use it. And they charged me $3. Son of a gun. Lucky guy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So again, another, I just lucked into it and I just need to finish it and I will eventually, but you know, it is what it is. A good leg vice is awesome to have. That's for sure, man. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. And, and again, I'm just one of these guys. Jordan gave me a smaller leg post vice, probably three or four inch one. And I was in the process and and the condition was I just had to fix it again. It needed a spring it needed a bracket, um, needed odds and ends stuff, needed a new bolt. And I was in the process of that when they found, when I was given that one for my wife's job. So I just took that one and gave it to my buddy, just passed it right along Um, with what I, with what I had already done to it, which wasn't a whole lot. Like it still needed work. I just gave it to him. I was like, look, I know you don't have a leg post vice. I got this one for free today. Here, take this one. It's your problem now. And the only rule with that is that he has to either fix it or give it to somebody who will fix it. He can't charge any money for something, it. Something that might open your eyes a little bit. If it was only three inches, a three-inch leg vice is pretty rare and they're worth quite a bit of money. Uh, well, thanks for that. <laughs> I'm going to go talk to him real quick. Let me text him right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I've, I have never seen a three-inch leg vice myself. I've got one that's – I think it's three and a half inches, but it's not a, like a full leg vice. It's got like a half leg that mounts to, uh, I don't know, whatever post you have on, like not all the way to the ground. I don't right. know how to. I like those a lot for some reason. Those look super cool to me. Yeah, I don't have. I, don't a, I have a spring on it, or and it's missing the screw box as well. So I'm. It's like kind of useless unless I got stuff like that made for it. But yeah, yeah. The only thing left I have to do is just make a bracket that works for the for the stand that I made for it. But I don't like my stand, so I might have to redesign that. I don't know, man. I can't leave nothing alone. I'm always. Once I do something like, hmm, well, how can I make it better now? Mm-hmm. What can I do to make it one less step, one less for me? Because if anything in my logistics career taught me is that time is invaluable um, yeah. down to the second. Right. So whatever I can do to minimize the time it takes me to do something, I will, I, I try to make sure I can do that. Um, and so that's just another thing about me is I just try to be as efficient as possible. Sometimes I'm not, sometimes I'm stubborn and I want to do it my damn way. Um, but, but a lot of the times um, I'm trying to be as efficient as possible with whatever I do. So I'm always tinkering and messing and upgrading and changing and swapping. I can't leave shit on. If you could bolt it to the floor, that would be the best bet you could go with, man. Just like a steel post, just one steel vertical post, fill yeah. it with sand. Freaking yeah. little, little mounting plate on the bottom of it that you can put, two bolts through or I don't know, maybe four bolts through right. and have it, have, yeah, I've been looking have, at, sorry, have the plate big enough so that the leg itself also sits on, put a piece of, the thing is, I don't, I don't right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's gotta be mobile. 
I, I got to wheel everything out. But I'm thinking, I, I was looking in my forge today. I got a friend who flew in from Ohio um, to come see me, and I was showing my forge today. And uh, I was looking around. I was like, man, if I just move just a couple things, I might be able to have a permanent spot. So next couple of days, I'm sure I'll be clearing out the entire garage and reorganizing all of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure through your work, you've probably dealt with like lean manufacturing and 5S and that kind of stuff. Hey. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah so yeah. you got a good idea of how to organize things properly then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it just that is one benefit is that job did give me a lot of those things and a lot of that stuff but i definitely don't look like that person i got nose rings tattoos all up and down my arm i definitely was a, a stick what, what is it a, a stick of, stick out of mud or something like that i don't know i didn't belong in the uh, logistics warehouse I, I i didn't belong in that it was i was getting hot under that collar you know what i'm saying oh for sure yeah but you can't judge a book by its cover like yeah. that man and that's prime example right there Oh yeah, but I but I mean anybody could do that job if they really wanted to, but it's a miserable job. I wouldn't recommend it to oh. anybody. Warehouse management can I stick I stick oh. by the motto, you can do anything you want as long as you want to do it. As long as you're willing to get get through you, anybody can be like if you're if somebody on this podcast works in a warehouse and you want to be a manager, just go fucking be a manager because I promise you can. It's not mm -hmm. hard to do that to to, to become a manager. A lot of stupid people are managers in a lot of jobs. A lot of stupid people. The only reason, and the only reason they're in those jobs is because nobody wants to do that, or nobody, nobody thinks, thinks they, they can, can do it. Do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm telling anybody, you can whatever job you're at, you can be the next level. Promise, it's not that hard. Just do it. I swear to God. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many corporations are willing to train you along the way too, right? Oh yeah, me, my entire career. Um, even in some interviews when I was getting promoted, I was openly honest, like, look, I'm still learning and, um, but here's what I do and here's what I'm willing to do. And here's what I've done before. And that usually works out for yep. me pretty well because hard, it's hard to beat hard work, hard work positive attitude. Yep. Uh, sometimes I get a shitty attitude. I will not lie. I'm, I can be quite the Debbie Downer sometimes, but I'm working oh, on that. Seem like a pretty positive guy to me, man. <laughs> uh, we're having a good time. We're talking about shit oh, that I okay, like. Well, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> stop talking about warehouse work <laughs> yeah so uh, so what do you do besides blacksmith do you have any other hobbies uh hobbies oh shit because uh... smithing took over all of my yeah. hobbies i still dabble i was fortunate enough i found a way to use 3d printing with blacksmithing so i can incorporate those oh, that's cool um for your damascus yeah. or yeah yeah for um have you seen where they do um the uh um, shapes canister damascus yep. the canister damascus yeah yeah so i'm 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 not at that level yet i gotta try a couple more things first but i'm i'm gonna be able to corporate and i can make like nice stands for winter if i ever go to shows and stuff like that but what do you do man what do you do outside of working blacksmithing besides being a family man honestly dude i used to snowboard a ton but then blacksmithing kind of took over and just yeah snowboarding sounds miserable uh, I tend to disagree. It's actually <laughs> <fucking> amazing. <laughs> no, I, I've been snowboarding. It is really fun. It's just cold, and I don't like cold. Yeah, you know what? My favorite days are probably spring days going riding where yeah. it's warm enough that you can wear just a sweater and eventually even just go in a t-shirt during the peak of the day type thing and it's slushy out and you could fall and not get hurt because the snow is like super soft or powder days you can't right, be a good powder day but i live in manitoba yeah. we don't get powder days here 
pretty heavy snow there. In Manitoba, we get like nothing for snow here, dude. It's like ice. Really? Yeah, we, it's well, but, like oh. every what ten or fifteen years, we'll get a year where it's like pretty heavy snowfall, but never, never really good snow because it's so flat here. We get heavy winds, just and it, it'll warm up during the day. Kind of certain certain days, it'll warm up, and all of a sudden, it'll be like minus three outside everything starts to melt and you get that crust on the top of the snow and then it goes down to minus 40 and everything just turns like it just you get like i said you get that crust everything turns to ice dude and it just ruins everything for snowboarding skiing even snowmobiling can be a pain in the ass sometimes sounds really similar i lived in north carolina for about a year and a half before we moved to florida and whenever it had a bad winter storm it just it went from snow to warm up and then at night it would all freeze and everybody nobody could drive and it was it sounds kind of like what it was like in north carolina that i prefer snow over ice i i, I think yeah. yeah we get that for like a month at the beginning of winter then it goes to like minus 40 for all of january pretty much and then it goes back to that warm-up freeze stuff for like february march usually it's ah terrible i haven't seen snow since i moved to florida three years ago yeah but you got to deal with swamp ass um happily no not for me that's for sure i'd rather i'd rather be cold than sweat that's for sure i I don't complain about the heat very often because the cold is way worse in my opinion i can't do it man you guys are like i said you're you are you're gods amongst men you individuals who enjoy the cold because uh, it's just not for me i don't know (laughs) i i can't i can't imagine trying to forge in anything like I don't know the Fahrenheit scale very well, but I think it would be probably about 90 degrees Fahrenheit would be where I'd be like, okay, enough. I am not, I don't want to be in the forge at this point. Yeah. um, I'm going to do just a Fahrenheit conversion calculator because now I'm curious. That's what I was just thinking too. I was like, what is it? 32. Oh, dude way before night 32. Hell no. I ain't going in the shop at freaking 32. So just for a point of reference, I might have posted on my Instagram, but the other day after it rained, it was 105 degrees in my forge. Yeah, fuck that. After it, after it rained, it cooled it down about 10 degrees for me because of the rain. Yeah, but added an extra freaking few percentages of humidity to the air. I mean, in Florida, it's probably always humid where you are, but yeah, no matter what, no matter what, everything molds, everything rusts. Oh. Um, it's 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 bad. It's that. so humid, but. Man, I wouldn't trade it. I love it. It's, it's a great state. It's beautiful. We have natural, beautiful springs all around us. There's beaches on each side. It's a great state. There's alligators. There's wildlife that can kill you, and I think that keeps you humble. Methods that can kill um, you. I'm I'm thankful enough to live really <laughs> close to the University of Florida, so um, they they do real good to take care of the meth heads and get them away from the game from the university. That's cool. Um, hey, do you? But if a- I lived in any other small town, it'd be different. Do you have a Florida story for me? Tell me you got a Florida story. Oh, man, I'm not sure I do. I spent most of my time working down here. Uh, um, I, um, Flor- Florida, Florida man story. just Florida man just is like like anything that happens crazy happens in Florida, guaranteed. It makes. I mean, if you, if you've ever been down to Florida, you just like, go to a Walmart and watch. It makes sense. Yeah. It's a heat, man. Uh, yeah. It fucks with people's heads, dude. Again. It, it does fry people's brains. Again, why? Canada is maybe not so bad, actually, after all. I won't say it's bad. Canada's probably great, but I just think it's unfortunate that Canada's it snows. It's the best, actually. <laughs> it's the best. And it's it's not I've never been. Foreseen. I've, I've never been. 
I've always wanted to. I just, I've just never been. I've never been out of the United States. I'm one of those guys. I've been all over the United States. I've just never left the United States. Well, you guys, the, honestly, man, the United States has so fucking much to offer. It's a huge country, and there is beauty everywhere in all different coordinates. Man, it's, it, I, I've been on both sides, north, south, east, west. I've been all over. I've been in the middle, and it, you're absolutely right. It's a different scenery all over the place. There's so much to look at and go see. It's a lot. What's, it is a lot. What's your, some of your favorite places you've been in the States? Um, currently my favorite place would be any of the springs down here where I'm at. I love it down here. Um, I love the, uh, redwoods in California. That'll always be a memorable place for me is getting to see and touch a giant ass redwood. That's older than I can imagine. That was super cool when I was out there in California for a while. Um, Chicago. Um, I love Chicago for the food when I lived in Chicago. Uh, there's so many cultures in Chicago, uh, so many ethnicities, so many different foods to try. Um, some about me, I like to travel with my taste buds. Um, when I go to restaurants, I order the weird shit. I will order the cow tongue. I will order the the snake, the kangaroo. I like to try. I want to eat what the people eat where I'm at. Um, I try to eat where the locals eat. Um, I like. I find out. I try to to find out like the most authentic Cuban restaurant. Like I, I'm I'm one of those guys. I just want to taste what people cook elsewhere um because america's got some pretty good foods but i mean i think it's safe to say the rest of the world probably has its beat um when it, I, when what, it comes to cooking. whether they've got it to beat or it's just you can't go wrong with uh experimenting when it, with food man yeah i i love to i like i said i like to eat all the weird stuff i'll try anything once um but my my favorite place in the states it's it's probably man as much as i talk shit about it back home in ohio where i'm from that that's that's home man i haven't been back since i left ohio and i probably won't ever go back i don't have any desire but um that's home that is where it is good old clinton county ohio place you've never heard of you'll never be and you'll probably never see um ain't much to it everybody's doing the same thing they were always doing um but that's probably my favorite place just because it's home. It made me who I was. Um, I won't ever go back, though. It's, it, it's, it's fine. I think they got a Chipotle since I left, so that's cool, I guess. <laughs> I'm from a very small town myself, man, and I actually just went back. Uh, I just got back from vacation a few days ago. Actually, we were up there for a week. Pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I make my I make my friends come see me. I tell them all the time. I didn't move to Florida to vacation in Ohio. Yeah, y'all, y'all gonna have to come down here to see me. Well, it's not happening. I, I can't imagine that they would be too uh, against going to Florida for vacation, right? right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Like I just picked up one from the airport today, and all she has to do is like she might have to pay for food while she's here. Maybe. Well, that's awesome. Is she staying with you, dude? May- maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, and I'm taking up your time from away from a friend that's up from in from out of town. We've been friends for twenty years. She changed plans on me last minute. She wasn't supposed to be here till tomorrow, so oh. I told her I had to do this podcast. It is what it is. Well, I appreciate. She, it. she knows what's up. She's out there with my. She's out there with my wife and son right now. They haven't seen each other since we got married. So cool. Um, they're probably catching up. Oh. Yeah, she flew down here or drove drove down here for my wedding. Um, yeah, she's been a repeat customer of my services. That's for sure. Awesome, dude. <laughs> how how old's your? You said you had a son. How old's your son? He's eleven. He's actually uh, just for clarification. He is my stepson. Okay. Um, but I like to tell I like to tell people all the time that if you tell me he's not my son, I'll fight you. Nice, out of boy. Um, 
That's my dude. Um, we butt heads. We're not alike. We're not very much alike. We don't share very many common interests, but um, that's my dude. I'll do anything for him. He knows I've got his back, and he's not really into blacksmithing. He made one knife one time. Mm-hmm. Um, he When I got my setup, he was a little bit weaker than he is now, so it was a little bit of a struggle for him to swing the hammer and actually get the steel to move. So I'm going to try to encourage him to do it again. Now that he's a little bit bigger. He's he's going through puberty a little bit, so he's getting he's getting up there. Yeah, things change. Um, so we're going to, yeah. So so we might try it again. But like I said, we're nothing alike. We don't have very many similar interests. But um, that's my dude, and I, I got his back no matter what. Awesome, buddy. Very awesome. I've been in his life since he was six or seven. So about five six years I've been there. Yeah, you were saying you're you're on YouTube as well, right? YouTube, TikTok. Yeah, um, I'm not on there as often on YouTube. You'll catch me on TikTok every day. Okay. Um, whether I'm forging or not, I'll post something stupid or I'll post some footage that I've had before. I try to post to Instagram every day, and I'm also on my Facebook pages too. Cool. Um, YouTube, I don't get very much traction on YouTube. Like even my views, like I might get five views on YouTube. Um, no matter how I post, no matter what time, cause you know, there's an algorithm for everything. There's, there's, there's ways to do this shit. I haven't figured out YouTube yet. I've tried at different times. I've tried different hashtags and titles. I, I can't correct YouTube. I can't break 10 views, but I can post on TikTok and get 300 in the first few minutes. So, um, obviously I go where the traffic is, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, so TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook is where you'll find me mostly, um, my messages are always open. Anybody can reach me at any time about anything, questions, comments, concerns. I like questions. Um, I don't claim to know everything, but I'm always willing to explore and find out and ask people other things. And if I can't make what you want, I will refer you to three or four other people in my circle that can probably do it. I'm not stingy like that. I'm very humble. Like, like the sword I'm talking, I've had more than one person ask me about a sword. I don't make swords. That's not where I'm at now. So I just refer them to guys that I know who make swords. Um, I try to share the love, spread the love as much as I can. Very awesome, dude. That's super cool. Well, yeah. I don't know, man. It's been a pretty awesome chat. At this point, I think we could probably throw the sheepskin on, wrap her up. Hey, what do you say? <laughs> sheepskin on and wrap her up. <laughs> oh, yes. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, this was a good time. I'm happy that I that I bugged you enough. Um, that yeah, I am too. You, you You're a good chat. Me on here. Um, yeah. Anytime if, like you can message me on, on Instagram. Anybody can message me anytime. I like to talk. I'm an open book for the most part. I'll tell mostly anybody, anything about me. I don't care. Right Probably a lesson in my life you can learn from. So let's see if you can uh, do the closing with me here. I do this thing from, uh, there was like a, a comedy duo back in the day in the eighties, Canadian comedy duo by the name of Bob and Doug McKenzie. Very well known throughout the Canadian community. It's where the term hoser comes from. And they also had a thing what they would do on their show where they would go, then you would follow it up with a, there you go. Coo-coo-coo. I think I can do it. I got you. All right. So, coo 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 Good day. Good day. Oh, 
Awesome. Good day. Thank you very much. Appreciate y'all. Yeah, man. For guys, sure. Yes, thank you, man. Thanks to everybody who listens. And I hope I gave enough credit to everybody who's helped me along this whole journey. Yeah. Oh, you definitely dropped a bunch of names. That's for sure. Super awesome. Hey, after show secret. When it came to doing the plug Forge Weld, any mm-hmm. any tips? It, okay. Tips to do it? No, but I will tell you, it looks better if you actually, if you, um, so you can either drill the hole or you can punch the hole, right? You can, you can do it the old school way. Um, do it the old school way. Don't drill it because when you punch the hole, the waves of the Damascus go around the plug. But when you drill the hole, it's obvious that you drilled the hole. Nice. So we drilled it the first time and then we did it the real way the first time. If you're ever going to do plug Damascus, it looks better in my opinion and most bladesmiths' opinions if you just do the hole manually and not with the drill press. Very awesome. That's that's awesome, yeah. dude. That's super hot tip. That's great. I love it. Thank you again, yeah. dude. So as far as yeah, as far as the like the Damascus process, nothing. But don't drill the hole. Punch that hole. And on that note, good day.